you know, last week um, I was, you know, when, when I did the introduction to the message, I was just kind of sharing that sometimes I think, and even us as Christians, we can feel like God has forgotten us. He's forgotten our condition, uh, our place, you know, the things that have happened to us, whatever. God is just, you know, God is so big and he's so distant. And how does God even care about little old me down here on planet Earth? And when you read the Bible, you discover that God is amazingly involved and aware of us. I mean, like, to the intricate detail. It's amazing. And so I'm just going to share some, some, just some, this, this is just three that I just thought of real quick, just to kind of give you a flavor for what I'm talking about. But these are some quotes from people in the Bible who thought that God had forgotten their condition. And one of them is the story of Hagar and Ishmael. And y'all right remember that story in the Old Testament. And, um, and uh, remember Abraham had, the, had, had Ishmael with, with um, Hagar. And, uh, but this is what had happened. She had, um, this is Genesis 21, 15 and 16. It says, when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away. For she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. And uh, Hagar was, she was cast away from Abraham and Sarah. Sarah began to get angry. Uh, Isaac was born, and now she had Ishmael here. And that really, Isaac, Ishmael was not Sarah's son. So there was contention in the house. So the Bible says that Sarah and Abraham agreed to send uh, Hagar away with Ishmael. And then she went away, and she just was, the, she had already uh, determined or that, that the conclusion of her life was going to be that, that her son and her, her they were going to die. That, that, that's what they was. But if you read the story, the Bible says an angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said, Hagar, what's wrong? <laughs> Do not be afraid. God, listen to this, God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. And I love that God has heard. See, she didn't think that God was even aware or even listening. The Bible says that God heard her. And then the story in the uh, first Kings of the widow and her son in first Kings 17, 12, it says, as surely as the Lord, your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a drawer and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. That was the conclusion that she had came to. If you read this story in, in 1 Kings, the Bible says that, that God had instructed Elijah to go to this widow, and of all things, and, and the widow was going to feed Elijah. So Elijah gets to the widow's house, and the, he goes to tell the widow, I need food, and this is, what, this is her reply. As surely as the Lord lives, I don't have anything. I have enough to make a last, this is really like the last meal, and after my son and I eat this meal, we're going to die. So so the, this is what God said. God, Elijah responded and says, God, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And so Elijah came, came to him there and she was provided for. Just a beautiful story there. And then y'all know the story in the New Testament of, of, of Lazarus being raised from the dead and Martha and Mary was his sister's. And um, you remember the story when, when Jesus had arrived at Lazarus' house, they had called Jesus to come to pray with Lazarus because Lazarus was sick. And the Bible says that Jesus deliberately waited where he was three days before he went. 
And Jesus did that on purpose because he knew when he got to Lazarus, Lazarus would be dead. And it's, mu- it's, mu- it's a much more amazing miracle to raise someone from the dead than it is to heal somebody who was sick. And so he got there, but when he arrived, this was Mary. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And, the, and then if you read the story, um, Jesus called out in a loud voice and said, Lazarus, come out. And the Bible says the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And what I found interesting in all three of these examples that I'm given, every one of them thought that their ending was death. It was like that was not, there was death in every one of them, but what did God do? God brought life. There was life, and that, that, that's what God does. So, so really, when you read the Bible, God not only sees our condition, God is standing ready to rescue us. He's, he's poised and ready to, to step in and to, and to give us an amazing, an amazing rescue. So for someone to say that God is not concerned about me, God doesn't know my condition, God doesn't even know my name, God, I'm, not, I'm, I'm insignificant as far as I'm concerned in God's eyes. They've never read the Bible. In Psalm 139, it says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and, le- and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. That's how God thinks of us, you and me. I love that word. It says, you are familiar with all my ways. God knows every intricate detail about your life. So I'm continuing the message I started last week. This will be the, the conclusion of the message today. A dead dog like me. A dead dog like me. This will be part two of that. And I, I really, I, I believe the, the, the underlying theme of the message is for God to, to remind us and to reinforce to us that you are not forgotten. That God has not forgotten you, that your situation or your life is not too far gone. Nobody in your family is too far gone. You might, we might have, some of us in here, we have wayward children, you know, sons and daughters that are, that are prodigals. Uh, maybe people in our family, we just feel like, you know what? They're never going to, they'll never come to Christ. I'm here to tell you they're never too far gone. They're never beyond God's reach. The, the, the Bible is the story of God's love and compassion on all his creation. That, that's what God, God wants whosoever's, like the whosoever's in the world will come, come to God. That's what God wants. So the, the beautiful message of the Bible is though we fell short and we sinned, um, God still provided salvation for us. God didn't forget about us. Though we rejected God, God didn't reject us. That's the beautiful story of the Bible. So you may have felt or even said, um, is, is God even concerned with a dead dog like me? You may have even said those words or something similar to that. Does God even care about a dead dog like me? And the Old Testament story of Mephibosheth um, answers that question with a resounding yes. And um, this is a beautiful story. I'm going to read it again. It's in 2 Samuel 9. It says, David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. 
The king asked, is there, any, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Machor, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar from the house of Machor, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the, then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. And that's one of those stories when you read it, you just want to read it again and again. I just want to keep reading that because I don't want to miss anything that it is. And I was talking to my wife about this when I was sharing this. You might have heard me say this before. And I got this from a pastor when I was a young Christian. I remember him saying it when he was preaching one message that when you read the Bible and the Bible, the, the Bible stops and begins to start giving a lot of details and specifics, he said that's when you need to slow down and pay attention. And this is one of those stories because if you read the Old Testament, a lot of it, It'll, it'll, it'll share something, that, that, an event that happened, but it might just give like a sentence and just say, this, this happened. But then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, obviously it's God's way of saying, this is what I want you to pay attention to, it stops. And it gives a tremendous uh, detail of the story. This is an example of that. So obviously, if God put the detail in the, in the Bible of the story, then what does that mean? He wanted us to pay attention to what it said and really study what it was that was there. So... Just a real quick recap of, of last week's message. Um, this story, and you really have to read the whole first, first Samuel, second Samuel, to really get a, an idea, to really understand the, the, the importance and the significance of the story of Mephibosheth to understand this. But David, and I shared this last week, David was anointed, was anointed king while Saul was still king of Israel. Matter of fact, David was anointed the king of Israel before he killed Goliath. And um, God, the Bible says that God had rejected Saul because Saul had become disobedient, that, that Saul's heart wasn't 100% after God. So the Bible says that God, God, uh, God left Saul and he, his, his favor began to rest on David. But David still wasn't established as king yet. And the Bible says that at one point Saul and David were very close. They were, they were extremely close, but Saul began to become very jealous 
of David because Saul recognized that David's favor had left, that the Lord's favor had left Saul and was now rested on David, and Saul began to become very, very jealous of that. So if you read toward the end of, of Saul's life, there were several occasions Saul used his army to go and find David, and he wanted to kill David. That, that, that's, what, that's what Saul wanted to do. And on two of the occasions, the Bible says that David recognized that Saul's army had came, and, and one of them was in the night. I think he had went in while, the, while all the soldiers were sleeping, and you're never supposed to leave the king unprotected. Like the, the, you, There were men that were supposed to be able to surround the king, that they, were, they should be willing to give their life for, the, for that king. And there was an occasion where they were sleeping in the camp, the Bible says, and Saul was sleeping, and David snuck in and I think grabbed the, 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 the water jug or the spear of, of Saul and walked away and then shouted, shouted down to the camp and said, why, why didn't your men protect you, Saul? And I, I walked right into your camp last night and I, was, I could have killed you if I wanted to. So there was two occasions where that happened, but David didn't do that because even though, now get this, even though Saul was trying to kill David, for no, there was no justification for that, the Bible says that David still honored Saul because Saul was God's, Saul was the anointed king of Israel. There's a lesson in that. That, that, that. that was David's enemy, but the Bible says that he still was sworn oath to honor Saul because Saul was appointed as the, as the king of Israel. So, but, but during the course of, the, of David's life, um, David had become very close with Saul's son, Jonathan. As a matter of fact, they had become like soul, like tied with their soul, the, the Bible says. They were like best of friends. And Jonathan knew that David would one day be king because really Jonathan should have been the king. He was the son of, he, he was the son of Saul. But, David, but, but, but Jonathan recognized that David was going to be the king of Israel. And, and uh, David made a promise to Jonathan that he would preserve the life, the, the family of, of, of his family. Because most kings, when they, when they preceded a king, especially if there was a family that was trying to kill him, that, that as soon as they became the king, what, they rounded up all of the family members from the other king. Guess what they did? They killed him. But David made an oath. He made a promise. And this is where we get the story here of Mephibosheth here in 2 Samuel. But, um, so this, this story, and, and I, was, I shared this last week, this story in 2 Samuel 9, this is not a parable. Um, Jesus taught in parables in the New Testament. But I can't help but be reminded as I read the story, it reminds me of a parable. And, and, I, and I think it's obvious that, that Mephibosheth rep represents us. You know, we, we're the dead dogs. We're the, we're the lost sinners. We're the ones that are separated from God. And David, King David, represents the Lord. He, he represents uh, the Lord for us in this so really, when you read the story of Mephibosheth and you see what God did for him and, and he thought of himself as a dead dog, you really need to insert, you need to insert your name in the story because really it's a story about me and you. It's, it's, it's really written, it's written about us. But last week um, I covered the first part of the story and three things I'll just recap real quick. Um, the first one, David asked, um, David just asked, he said, is there anyone still left in the, in, the, in the house of Saul and Jonathan for Jonathan's sake that I can still show God's kindness? So the first thing that we noticed in the story last week was God, God is reaching. God is reaching, and God is always reaching for you. You know, people don't realize that, but God, God, is, God is going after the lost sheep. What did Jesus said? I'm not, uh, the, 99, the 99 are safe. God's always going after the one. So, so we read the story that, that, that David, 
represented God, saying, is there anyone still left that I can show? In other words, God, and that, that's God's heart for us, that God is always coming after us to show, to show his favor, to show his kindness, to show his grace and love and his mercy. And then we saw the Bible, the story here, and I think this is very significant, um, and I said this last week, Mephibosheth was lame in both feet. And if you read the story, the, the, the previous passage before this, you'll discover that he was lame in both feet when the news had reached his nurse that, that, that Saul and Jonathan were both killed in battle. The Bible says that the nurse was so upset and she was so frantic about it that she ran and she grabbed Mephibosheth real quick to run out the house. And the Bible said as she grabbed the, the boy, he was five years old at the time, she was running with the young boy and she dropped him. And I said this last week, and I'm still confounded by this. I want to know how do you drop a five-year-old boy that I think is a decent size, and the woman can't be that tall. How did, she, how did he hit the ground with enough force to become lame in both feet? But that's what happened. I don't know if she, she was tripped over something or what, what happened with that, but that's how he was lame. That was he was lame. But if you read the passage we just read in, in 2 Samuel 9, it mentions that he was lame in both feet twice. Or was it, it, it says that. And so the second thing we looked at last week is God is removing. And so think about that. Mephibosheth, no doubt, felt uh, shame and humiliation, and he probably felt rejected and embarrassed and just an outcast of society because of his physical condition. But by David, but by David calling him into the king's presence, and the, Bible, and the Bible says that David told him, don't be afraid. Well, why was he afraid? Well, what do you think he thought David was going to do? was going to kill him. There was no other explanation for him, for him to come, and David told him, don't, David told him, don't be afraid. So see, David was removing, he, he was removing the shame. Well, it's the same thing for us in Christ. When we come to the cross of Jesus Christ, all of our sins are being removed. All of our guilt, all of our shame, all the rejection, all the, the things that, that, that has happened in our life, the Bible says they are as far as the east is from the west. God is removing those things. And then, then God, God is receiving him. See, he was, he was received. You know, he thought he was going to be killed or maybe punished or, or, or for whatever for who he was in, in Saul's family. But the Bible says that David, David welcomed him. David received him. And God, God receives us. We don't deserve to be received. We, 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 don't, we, we were. We're sinners. We're, we, we rejected God. Uh, the Bible says when Jesus came to, to the, in the New Testament, when Jesus came, he came to the nation of Israel, which was his own people. The Bible says, I came, to, I came to my people, but I was rejected by my own. His own people rejected him. We rejected, we rejected God, but God still loved us. And God receives us just, just the way we are. So when you read the story, you discover that Mephibosheth's life was really changed in one day. In one day. And really, that's our salvation. We, when we come to Christ, God can change our life in one day. So, so I want to continue this morning with the rest of the story here, and we're going to pick it up in 2 Samuel 9, verses 7 and 8. So in 7 it says, Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? So the next thing we see in the story is that God is restoring. God is restoring. See, Mephibosheth must have thought that he was dreaming. 
he must, he must have thought that he was, he, he was like having some kind of dream because here he goes from literally living like in obscurity and poverty and like rejection and in the world and just like a nobody to all of a sudden being in the presence of the king of Israel and this king is telling this nobody, I'm going to give you everything back that was lost. He had to, he had to feel like that he, 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 was in, he, he was in a dream. He was hearing the words that David spoke to him, I will restore. See, he said, all the land that belonged to Saul. Now, Saul was a king. So I got to think, being a king, you probably owned a lot of property. And I, I got to think that land that Saul owned was not just like some pitiful property. It was probably some rich, fertile ground, some very valuable property. And the Bible says that David told him, I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, grandfather Saul. David, David said all. And see, Mephibosheth had nothing. Um, he was the grandson of a king who had been rejected. He had been rejected. And, and, uh, and King Saul, who had made an oath to kill, to, to kill the man who was now ruling as king of Israel. In other words, he, he probably felt like David was going to punish him or David was going to kill him. And I'm sure Mephibosheth felt unworthy. Like, I'm, I'm in this condition. And, and again, Ziba, Ziba thought it was necessary to tell David when he asked, is, is there anyone left that I can still show kindness? He, David didn't ask what he looked like or what his condition was, but Ziba thought it was necessary to tell the king, and oh, by the way, he's lame in both feet. Because I think the reason why he did that is that, that there might have been a possibility that David would have rejected him because of his condition and would have punished Ziba for not informing the king, this is the condition of this man that you're asking about. And obviously we say that David. So obviously he felt unworthy. He probably felt he had no value. Um, he was not wanted or accepted in society. His condition was so low that the Bible says he responded to David at who am I that you would even notice a dead dog like me. And um, so, but really, again, Mephibosheth's life is a mirror of our, of our lives. We're, we're, we're the dead dog. That, that's the condition of every human being that, that, that has ever been born, that will ever be born, because the Bible says all born of Adam is born with what? We're born with a sin nature. Before we can even speak a word or make a decision, that's the sentence that's placed on our life the moment we are born. We're separated from God. And the Bible says there's no hope. There's, no, there's nothing I can do to get back with God and become right again. Nothing. No matter how much I go to church, I can memorize the whole Bible. I could give all my money to the poor. There's not a single thing that I can do that David would, that God would accept as righteous for me to be forgiven. Nothing. We are completely lost, the Bible says. And we are, like Mephibosheth, we are more than lame in both feet. We are, we are dead. We, we, are, we, are, we are literally dead dogs, just like the Bible says. In Genesis chapter 3, um, and y'all know this scripture, I just want to remind us of how this all began. It says, and to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat and until, eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So the Lord banished them from the Garden of Eden, 
And he said, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground for which he had been made. Now, the first thing I see in this is in verse 17, it says, since you listened to your wife. And I thought husbands are always instructed to listen to their wives. But <laughs> here, the Bible is, God is clearly telling us, don't listen to your wife. I mean, that, that's what I'm going that's not, that's not what it's saying there. Lori knows I'm just kidding. It's just a joke. But that's what it says. And you listen to your wife. And look what happened. <laughs> now, well, we know that this was the, this was the, this was the, the, the Bible says that sin brought a curse. It brought a curse, and there was the, the ultimate curse of sin was death. But when you read the, the, uh, the story of Adam and Eve, the Bible says they were, they were, they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. In other words, they were, they were in perfection. They were in like the best place that you could possibly be. All of a sudden, sin enters the scene. That messes up everything. And now the Bible says that God banished them from, from the garden. The ground began to become hard. Um, that it was, it was going to be difficult to, 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 to grow crops. We know that this passage didn't share that, but women in um, childbirth, the Bible says that's what brought on the pain that, that women experienced. And childbirth was because, of, was because of sin. But the ultimate thing was, of course, was death. But it wasn't just physical death. It was spiritual death. The sin brought total eternal separation from God. We, we were eternally separated. So that was our condition. As, as Mephibosheth was, we were lost. We were dead dogs. We, we had no hope. We were eternally separated from God, the Bible says. But thank the Lord for Jesus. But thank you, Jesus. See, G G Jesus came, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, but God. Don't you love that? But God. Like all the, th all the things that you did wrong, everything that you messed up, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by, by God's grace that you have been saved. See, that's, that's the rescue story. That's the story of restoration that God did for us through Jesus Christ. Even though you were dead in your sins, the Bible says all who are in Christ will live. See, Jesus is the second Adam. You've got to be born again of the second Adam. People get freaked out when you, use the word, when, you, when you say the word born again, like it's some kind of weird, freaky, spiritual thing you're saying. It's not. It, 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 it explains exactly what happens to us. We are born again in Christ. We were, we were, stuck, we, we were stuck with Adam. You, you, you were stuck with Adam. You have no way of detaching yourself from Adam except for Jesus Christ. You, the Bible says there's no other name given under heaven by which we must be born again. You, you must be born again. It's not optional. It's not like, well, I just, I don't believe in Jesus. It doesn't matter. I, don't, I won't accept him. It, I, I, by which you must be born again, the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus became the second Adam, so now we're, we're born again. Not physically like Nicodemus thought. It's a spiritual birth. God comes in by his Holy Spirit and God, God revives the spirit that's inside of us. And the Bible says we're born again by the, by the Holy Spirit. The, the spirit inside of us, the Bible says we're, 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 we're born again. So, so, see, God, the Bible says God has given us a new name. See, that we, we become new creations in Christ, the Bible says. The Bible says when we come to Christ, the old is gone. Behold, what? All things have become new. See, we're new creations in, in, in Jesus Christ. The curse of sin, the Bible says, was nailed to the cross. Jesus became the curse, the Bible says. It was, it, Jesus took the penalty. He took 
the payment. He took the, the curse of sin, the Bible says, and it was, it was nailed to the cross. So see, in Jesus, God is restoring everything that the enemy brought from you. And I want you all to receive that this morning. God is restoring everything that the enemy brought from you. Everything. God, God is in the restoration business. That, that's what God does. And, and my wife could get up there and she could preach this message that, that God, that in her, and, and some of it was decisions that she made, but some of it wasn't choices that she made. But, but, the, but the enemy robbed from her. The enemy stole from her, lied to her, did all of those things. But when Lori made a decision at a, at a young age, when, when Lee and Michelle were still young, Lori made a decision, you know what, I'm going to give my heart to God. I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn my life over to God. And Lori, I know she's standing here, she, God gave her back everything. She was restored. That's what God does. God, God restores. And I've, I've seen it happen in our own family with my, with my two sons, of Lee and Joshua, that they, they were prodigals, both of them. And 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 I and in a lot of ways when they were in their teenage years, the, the, the enemy used that, I think, to rob the time and the relationship that really you, you look forward to building with your sons when they become that those young men in those teenage years. You know, the, the enemy really robbed that, but guess what? God's given it all back. Yes. I got it all back. And I got and I got and I, I didn't just get it back, I got grandchildren from them now. Like so so God's like giving it more and more. And so don't, don't sit back and say, woe is me, and, and look at old pitiful me and everything that happened to me. No, God wants to restore everything that the enemy has taken from you. Yes. Mephibosheth didn't just stand before the king. Oh, if David would have just told him, you know what? I'm not going to kill you. I should kill you. I have a right to kill you, but I'm not. That would have been enough. His life would have been spared. But that's not all that David did. The Bible says that David restored all all the land that belonged to him, that belonged to his grandfather Saul, all the land was restored back to, to, to Mephibosheth. Isn't that beautiful that God, see, God wants to give you all, the, everything back. So don't let the devil lie to you and rob to you and tell you that, that God's not concerned about you. And God, God restores. God's in the, he's the best restorer you've ever met. That, that's what God does. In Joel 2.25, it says, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have, have eaten. See, some of you, you've been robbed from for years, not just months, from years. And you, you, you might feel like Mephibosheth, that you feel like you're a dead dog, and that God's forgotten about me and all those years that I've gone by. Where, where, where's my blessing, God? I'm here to tell you that God will restore all the years that the enemy has robbed from you. Amen. God will give it all back. Amen, in Jesus' name. The Bible, Jesus said that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But what did Jesus say? I have come to give you life. I've come to give you life and life to the full. See, God wants to restore all that was lost in your life. Somebody's got to receive that today. That may, this, may, this may be something that goes back all the way to your childhood. Maybe a relationship with your mother or your father or... Just, just, I don't know, something that, that somebody wronged you in some way or, or violated you or something happened to you. And you just feel like God, God will restore you. That's what God does. That look, look on Mephibosheth. Imagine he's standing there before the king, lame in both feet, feeling discarded and, and worthless and, and in the trash heap and in the trash pile. And I'm, not, I'm nothing. Standing before the king of Israel. And David said, I will restore all, everything. 
That's what God wants to do for you. We're standing before a bigger king. His name is Jesus. It's King Jesus. And he's going to restore everything to us. Amen. The next thing we see is in verses 9 through 11. It says, Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to form the land for him and bring, him, bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. The next thing we see here is God is reconciling. God is reconciling. See, Mephibosheth went from a nobody to a somebody. And that, there's, a, there's a new Christian song that's on the radio that says, I'm just, a, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody that changed my life. <laughs> I like that. I, I fit that. I, I, that's, what I, that's how I feel. I, I'm, just, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody that changed my life. <laughs> but think about that. Mephibosheth went from a nobody to a somebody in the moment of just the words that King David spoke to him. All of a sudden... He went from obscurity to like you're in, you're in the king's palace. He was, being, he was being reconciled. See, David, the Bible, the story says, is now bringing him in as one of his own sons. The king's table was reserved for the king's children. Mephibosheth was not related to David. He was not one of the king's children. But the Bible says that David told him, you will sit at my table. As, as, one of, as, one, as one of my sons, it says there. So, um, so think about this. Um, Mephibosheth would have been considered an enemy of the king because of his grandfather's oath to kill David. Yet here he is sitting at the king's table, eating with the king. That's us. The Bible says we were enemies of God. We were, you say, well, I didn't hate God. Well, the Bible says before you accept Jesus Christ, you are God's enemy. I don't care how much you go to church, how much you read the Bible, whatever, it doesn't matter. Until we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says we were enemies of God. But what did Jesus Christ do for us? The Bible says he reconciled us through his blood. Through the course, the Bible says he reconciled us. We don't deserve to be sons and daughters. We don't even deserve to be forgiven. But what does the Bible say? In Jesus Christ, that we are what? We are reconciled. That, that God has taken the sinner and done what? Reconciled the sinner back to God. The two have become one now. Now, now we are not, we, we, we've received, the Bible says, a spirit of adoption, but we're not just called like, like you're just forgiven and you're just patched up a little bit. The Bible says we are called children of God, like sons and daughters. That, 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 that's, that's, recon, that's reconciliation. But see, what did Mephibosheth do to earn or deserve what David had done for him? What did he, what did he do to deserve this? Nothing. There was nothing that he, that, that he did this. It was completely unexpected and undeserved. And this is an interesting side note with this. I just, as I was reading this over and over, the Lord just kind of showed this to me. So if you, read, if you read this passage, the story has 13 verses with 374 words. I, I counted every word. With the computer. The computer does that. You probably know that when you do Word. I cheated. Thank you, Jesus. I went and I copied and pasted the passage and I threw it on another Word document and I got that at the bottom. It said 374 words and said, I got this. 
I cheated. But look at this. There was 13 verses with 374 words, but Mephibosheth only spoke 13 words. He just, he, he was just, and, and most of what he said was, who, who am I that you would even notice a dead dog like me? What does James say? Be quick to listen and slow to speak. I need to be reminded of that. Because I just want to start speaking. Don't you want to hear what I have to say? Mephibosheth just, he just, that's, that's, that, that's, that's another picture. That's a picture of salvation. We come before God. We're lame. We're lame in both feet. We have nothing to give the king. I don't have anything to offer you, Jesus. I'm just, here I am. You're speaking these words to me. You're going you're gonna to forgive me? What am I going to say? There's nothing to say. God did it all. God has done it, God has done it all for us. See, everything that was taking place was King David's doing, not his. Everything that has happened for us in salvation is God. See, God is reconciling us back to himself through Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5, 19, it says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. See, that's what Jesus came to do. But people say, well, God doesn't know me. God doesn't like me. God doesn't care about me. God sent his son to die for you, that you might be reconciled, that you might be brought back to what was lost with Adam and Eve. We, that, that's what the garden was significant. We, we were lost. But the Bible says in Christ, we've been, it's, been like, it's been renewed now. Like we've been brought back. We've been reconciled, the Bible says. See, we had no hope, nor, nor do we deserve hope. We were orphans without a home or a family, but God, rich in his mercy, reconciled us back to, to him through Jesus. Now, the Bible says, we too are seated at the Lord's table as sons and daughters. And we sang that song, that, that one of the songs, the worship thing, saying that there's a, there's a table you have prepared for me in the presence. We're, we're going to be sitting at the king's table one day. And we have no right to be sitting at that table except for Jesus Christ. But the Bible says there is a table that God has prepared for us that is, that's for us, and we will be seated at, at the king's table. And it says, the Bible says, we have received this, the spirit of adoption in which we now call God Daddy. That's how close God has restored us, that we are now sons and daughters, we are children, and we can speak to God as a, as a son and daughter speaks to our own earthly father, and we can call him Daddy. Isn't that beautiful? See, that's reconciliation. Imagine Mephibosheth sitting, sitting at the king's table with the king's children. That's a picture of reconciliation. See, we are all dead dogs like Mephibosheth, not worthy of the king's presence, but God rescued us and brought us back. 1 John 3, 1 and 2 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. I love that. Um, behold, imagine, consider, think this great love that God has lavished on us, that not only has God forgiven us, which that would have been enough, but then the Bible says that God calls us his sons and daughters, and that's who we are. The Bible says, what a, what, what a beautiful picture here. So we, we, are the, we are the children of God. You may see yourself in your condition as a dead dog, but lift your head up, lift your head up high. You are a child of the king. Walk around, I'm sure, Mephibosheth, he, eventually I'm sure he accepted this 
this place where he was, this position. And hopefully, eventually, he lifted his head up and recognized, I'm, at the king, I'm in the king's presence. I've been restored. I've been reconciled. I've been brought back, 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 back to, uh, to this home here. So, so the next thing we see here is in 2 Samuel 9, verses 12 and 13. It says, Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. And the next thing we see here is God is rewarding. God is rewarding. See, look what it says here. It says, all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. Now, think about this. He goes from poverty, from obscurity, from a nobody, from an outcast, from a, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Now he's back. Here he is in the king's presence. The king has received him, has restored him, has removed the guilt, removed the shame. He's sitting at the king's table, and now David's taking it one step further, and he's saying, now Ziba's household will serve you. He's being served. He's being, he's being rewarded. And again, what did, what did he do to deserve this? He did nothing. He did nothing to deserve this. But, and the, the Bible says that he lived in Jerusalem, which is the city of the king. And he says, I like this, he always ate at the king's table. In other words, David wasn't just telling Mephibosheth, look, I'm going to do all this for you. We're only going to do this for like a couple of days. We'll just kind of see how it works out. The Bible, the, the story tells us he always ate. For eternity. In other words, that was, an, that was a decision that David made that was not temporary. It was permanent. He always ate. He always ate at the, at the king's table. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 12, it says, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, there's a reward waiting for us, the Bible says. There's a reward for your salvation. It's eternal life. It's eternal life. That's why you and I, we can't get bogged down with the things that are taking place in this world. And what does the, the, the Bible say? These temporary trials and afflictions, they're temporary. They, they don't seem temporary when you're going through them because they, they absorb your whole life. They, 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 they seem enormous. But in the scheme of things, when you compare the amount of time you're going to live on this earth compared to eternity, it's nothing, the Bible says. So we have to keep our eyes where? On the reward. There's a, there's a reward waiting for us. And the Bible says it's eternal life. And again, what did we do to deserve this? Nothing. We receive it because of God's great love for us. The Bible says that's what God, God has done for us. So this story, what a beautiful picture of, 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 of Mephibosheth's life and, and how it just mirrors our, us. And look what God has done for us. All the things that God has done... And, and, and it's really, we should hold our heads up high and say, you know what, not in pride or arrogance, but just in brokenness and humility and thankfulness that, God, I'm your child. Thank you. You know, I should, that should be a little, you should be excited about that, you know. And someone should recognize that and say, what's wrong with you? Or why are you so happy all the time? And hopefully that will open up a door and maybe give you an opportunity to share your testimony. Or just look, look what Jesus Christ did for me. We're the king's children. We're sons and daughters of the king. Amen? Amen. Amen.